Hello and welcome to Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by ballet dancers. My name is Keelan, and today I have on the show a very special guest, Ociel Gounod. So before we jump into it, the conversation with Ociel, we had so much to talk about, so much to cover, and he's such an interesting guy that there was no way we could contain it to one episode. So we've broken up the conversation into two episodes. Make sure to tune back in next week for part two. It's really interesting when extraordinary circumstances or extraordinary abilities are thrust upon somebody and they develop beyond that into extraordinary people. You know, in my opinion, Ossiel is one of the best dancers in the entire world. But that might actually not be his most interesting quality. You know, it's, it's really cool. So uh, stick around, enjoy it. Let us know what you think, and we'll be back next week for part two. Here we go. Thank you, man. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you for the invitation. <laughs> so we've known each other since 2014. We met when uh, I was in Norway visiting friends and taking class with the company, and you were there. You happened to have an injury at the time, which ended up giving us this opportunity to hang out more. And uh, I think I went and said hi to you because I've worked with a bunch of people from Cuba. So I was saying hi on behalf of, hey, Gustavo says hi and all this. And we ended up watching Mm -hmm. a production of Swan Lake that the company was doing. And you said, hey, come, we'll get a beer and we'll watch it from uh, the audience, but at the back of the theater where there's this like soundproof room. And so it was just the two of us. The black box. They used to call it the black box. That's right. (laughs) We just sat there and watched the show, this beautiful show by this amazing company. And I'm sitting with one of their stars, one of their lead dancers, having a chat about life, the industry, our own journeys. So for people at home who might not know exactly who you are or everywhere you've been, you from Cuba, you went to the national school in Cuba. That's right. Graduated there, mm-hmm. joined the company. Mm-hmm. Within a couple of years, rose through the ranks and you were a principal by 20. Yeah. You left the company to go to Norway as one of their lead dancers and after a few years there, you made a transition to Munich, which is where you're currently yeah. dancing as a principal yeah. now. It's a pretty remarkable journey, yeah? You know, I've been fortunate enough to have my work, all the work I've been putting in, like paying off some some manners. And uh, that's for me the most gratifying thing, being able to work, to work as hard as I, as I can and see the results you know as i said it's not always been green or an amazing blue you know i had really dark days as everybody else but you know that's what i based my my accomplishments or the things that i have done so so far on the failures you know the things that just happened along the way that made me grow as a person and as an artist yeah one of the things that really struck me from the moment we met was how humble you are. You know, there's a certain amount of, I think, tolerated ego when you're working with somebody who's incredible. You know, if I met Johnny Depp and he was a bit overconfident, I'd be like, hey man, he's Johnny Depp. Like, he's, you know, it makes sense. Like he's doing his best, right? But from the moment we met and ever since then, there's been a really kind of consistent sense that you're really grounded, that the successes you're having haven't changed who you think you are uh, or how you relate to other people, which is a really beautiful thing because it can be a really powerful experience, you know, like something where you'd go, I would tolerate this person treating me like less, but instead they treat me like equal. Maybe even they treat me like more. 
they treat me like they want to learn from me. It's like, oh my God, that's like real leadership. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta take notes. I think it has a lot to do with the background where people come from as well and the education. Because let's just put it this way, uh, honestly speaking, we are in an industry where usually dancers don't make a lot. You know, it's like we are not talking about football players or boxers or USC fighters. Uh, no, we're talking about a dancer that usually in a corporate ballet locally gets $2,000 euros or dollars a month. Yeah. And I don't personally see the the point of believing yourself more, especially knowing where I come from. I come from a country where at the age of, let's say, 20, my salary was from 10 to $15 a month. Yeah. And we were all the same. And I go back to Cuba every single summer. It's, just, it's not just as a reminder, but, you know, you need to be grounded to your roots. You need to be close to your roots and I don't know for me the life I want to have as an artist uh, the life I want to offer to my son it has absolutely nothing to do with where I am or who I am as a person you know what I mean so the things I can accomplish as an artist to give my family a better living to give myself a different opportunities in life it has nothing to do with who I am as a person and it shouldn't be uh, deeply related because that's exactly when people get their cables absolutely crossed. They see the, let's just put it in simple words, the big jumps and the amazing periods and this and that. Then the 2,000 or 3,000 people just clapping at you and people writing on Instagram or Facebook or this or that, oh, you were amazing. And that's a beautiful thing if you can channel it correctly the moment you you see you cannot learn from the people down down there and that's exactly where you're making a big mistake because at the end of the day this this career is a never-ending process of learning keeping searching still wanting to to search for more so um, that's why i don't know i try to keep myself just realistic as I can you know this is my world this is my reality and yes I keep on fighting because that's in my nature but that doesn't really affect who I am as a person yeah never believe your own hype right good or bad exactly as you mentioned you have a young son Mm -hmm. really maybe the cutest kid I've ever seen like he really (laughs) really kids are cute but this one is like special cute (laughs) Uh, thanks kids are great at keeping us humble because no matter mm. you're steve jobs you're usain bolt you're anybody your kids you're just dad like and they yeah. don't really care what you do and so like oh yeah you did nice pirouettes to downstage dad i don't care i just put my diaper like it's yeah. uh the great humbling <laughs> of having kids so that's right that's right so i think you've had a really fascinating story truly you're from a town outside of havana so even going to mm. school was kind of extra challenging because it wasn't your hometown. Yeah. You went to this school that to me, it's like Hogwarts. Like there's something magical about this school because it's not like you've got millions and millions of dollars pumping into the newest machines and the equipment. It's there's something about the culture, the legacy of the school, and somehow it produces with great consistency 
the best dancers in the world, like, you know, among the best dancers in the entire world are always people from Cuba, right? Uh, especially the men seem to really have their mark on the dance world, you know, Cuban men, Rolando Sarabia, Carlos Acosta. I mean, I think a lot of people would put you in that category as well. Then you leave and we can talk about the story of you leaving, but you leave and you go to this phenomenal European company. Now you're dancing all over Europe. You're guesting around the world, dancing all the rep there is working with the very best. And you can connect the really humble roots, the very humble beginnings to this spectacular career you're having. And it's just a remarkable arc. And we're all watching and we just see like the highlights on YouTube. You know, the people in your city get to watch you do live shows. But for most of us around the world, we're just watching like, did that guy just do 10 pirouettes? What? Like did, in a show? Like what? Like, and it's, I was thinking it like this. Most people who dance, we have ballet dreams. Like you have a dream where you're dancing and all of a sudden you can do really good pirouettes and do all these sort of and all these big tricks. But then you wake up and go, oh man, I thought I figured it out. When you dance, at least the videos that we see of you, that's how most of us are when we're dreaming is you're actually doing the changing the positions into arabesque and into all the stuff. So I put the, the question out there on Instagram to ask the listeners, what do they want me to ask you? An obvious one is, how did you get to be able to do all this stuff? And what does it feel like when you're going into one of these pirouettes? I wouldn't say it's uh, uh, simple because I would be, I'll be lying, but I would let, let's just put it this way so we can educate the young dancers that might be like watching as well. Mm. Sometimes people think about the quantity of it. I remember, this is a short story. I was in the second year of uh, high school in, in Havana. So we have this like big corridor there and we like most of the good turners, we just put together and we start doing tricks and this and that. And with a, with a board, you know, mm -hmm. with a, with a, turning, with a turning yeah. board. Yes. So we were just like doing things and trying to, and that gives you sensations, you know, it creates sensations of how do you move your arms? Like if you, if you put your arm too steep, it's going to be too hard to move them in the position. So what should I do? And they need to be a little more relaxed so I can play with them and I can use my core differently. So you start playing with these kind of things. And one day we just started like, let's just hit quantity. Let's see, let's see how far we can go. Then we start like, it's a big circle of, of people like this. And you start by one, one, everybody one and two and three. And it's not that you can start already by seven. No, I do seven easy. So I will start by seven already. So no, 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 you have to start by one because the moment you get to seven, your body is different already. So. We hit it all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. After 10, you have like two or three tries. And then you yeah, go, yeah. okay, you say, boom, okay, you didn't make it when you have to go out like this, this, and this, and this. So I remember this very time. It was the first time that I, I hit 25 periods. On the spinner or just on releve? On releve. Just regular on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, 25 periods. Boom. <laughs> The whole school went crazy. Everybody started screaming, oh my God, oh my gosh, 25, 25. And they call one of the teachers, oh, you have to come and see this. Those say, hi, teachers from school. Okay, what well, do you have to see? Boom. And she was, oh my God, <laughs> coming, <laughs> coming everywhere. So then 
people started like associating me with that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The guy that turns, the guy that turns, the guy that turns. If you're in Cuba right. and you're the guy that turns, that means you're really turning. Yeah, but we have Rolando Sarabia, we have Carlos Caballero, we had Carlos himself, Jose Carreño, John Acosta. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have very, very, very good turners in school, like very good turners. In every class, there was like maybe two, two heavyweights. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It, was, it, it was crazy. So you needed to push just your books on like, all right, here we go. Yeah. So, um, and so people start associating them with that. It's like the turning guy and the turning guy and the turning guy. And Killa, I, I used to record, um, this is TV program, which is on the, on the Cuban television. It's called, it was called Danza Eterna. Every Wednesday at 9.15, boom. So it was a seal with a BH recording the program, whatever it was, it could have been folklore. It could have been ballet. It could have been, I was recording, studying for the whole week what they were playing there. No matter what it was, doesn't matter what it was. Studying whatever it was there, and then as I only have one BH, I have to delete, record. Oh wow! Okay. So I made sure that I have to study. Right, right, right. The yeah. whole thing, like in seven days. So I was like, okay, so I'm just like, 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 how could I? How could I be better? Uh, just not be boxed, you know, like yeah, like the Cuban guy that just does the the fireworks and the tricks and this and that. This I, because I knew that eventually that's what happened with most with most people in the world. I said I didn't have internet at the time in Cuba, so it was very difficult for me to have information about everybody else that was out there. Mm -hmm. So the only window I had was this program. Right. Okay. And every time I was out on a tour or something, I remember I bought this uh, computer, Lenovo, back in 2010 in the U.S. And that tour, we were there for a month, and I was in YouTube every night recording, putting in there just with files and this and that. And this is Igor Zelensky. All for Igor Zelensky. And this is Malakov, everything in Malakov, and then Rolando and Carlos and this and that. So putting everybody in there. Right. And then when I go to Havana, I was like, all right, game on, learning everything and everything I could. And one of the things that I realized watching these people, especially now that we were talking about turns, is uh, it's not how many or how much you do, it's what you do and how you do it. There are variations that you only have time to do three periods. Mm -hmm. There are variations that you have time to do seven, eight. But it's no how much you do, it's how you do it. The quality that you put into it, like how the, the arm goes up, how it goes down, what you do with them in the middle of it. So that's what makes it different. Because turning for just the sake of turning is just, for me, it's boring. I can see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, bum, 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 four position. But now if you tell me, I'm one, two, three, four, boom, with the perfect musicality. Yeah. That for me is, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So that's how I appreciate. Now I have 
something like let's just put it this way I, I have you know the q1 school gave me that i know the q1 school my colleagues gave me that you know i cannot just put on the q1 school because everybody thinks that every q1 turns now but the ones who did had the interest and the fire for the competition and for the fun and creating things that Man, sometimes we, we were, it was like 10.30 in the evening and we were in the corridor doing t- like turning, you know, and yeah. jumping and jump and jumping because everybody thinks on it and jumping on the floor or in the grass, practicing a jump that you wanted to do in the studio on the next day. You had the dinner in 10 minutes. So I, are we going back there now? Like, like this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have this one that goes like, double two, double two passe, revolta. <laughs> Antonan, go, period, double tour. Everybody, do you get it? Do you get it? <laughs> uh, no, I didn't get it. Repeat it again. This, this, that. All right, all right. Now we go back. Right. Everybody with full, full belly like this, just running into try. So that's exactly why, why you say it was like this Harry Potter school for yeah. me. It was yeah. like people did so much, like contributed so much to all those careers. But whoever is smart just like absorbed all of that. And for me, that was my colleagues, you know, my right. colleagues did that for me. And I'm forever grateful for that because they are, we keep in touch with many of them. Actually, the people that don't even dance anymore. Yeah, we are still in touch and they are just exactly keeping the same question. It is how, how you continue to do these things? Like you don't get bored of things. <laughs> it's always something new, you know? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of new, no, I, I follow sports, not all sports, but I like some, I like basketball. I pay attention to football, like American football. And mm-hmm. when you hear sports get covered, the people who report on them are often quoting historical stats, right? So for example, the Dallas Mavericks two seasons ago had the most efficient offense of all time in the NBA. And you go, oh, wow, okay. Mm-hmm. So that means the sport is changing, right? Every time we set a new record, the sport is, is growing and it's evolving. Ballet is an art form it's not directly comparable to a sport because we're not competing. It's not so much about numbers, right? Like you said, it's about quality, but even in the, the seeking of the intersection between quality and quantity, quality and new, new stuff, we can see development and progression. And I was thinking about this, that from the research I've done, which is incomplete because I haven't seen every dancer in the world every day, you know, but from what I've seen, I think you and Simkin, Daniel Simkin, are pushing the pirouette, like you're pushing the art form forward in terms of its kind of like limits. Because, you know, Daniel, you've got videos of Daniel doing pirouettes with his eyes closed. And you go, okay, if we start doing stuff with our eyes closed, like this is a whole new level, you know? And when I see you do the one that you do that, that when I saw this, I was like, oh damn, that's new. I think it was in Vancouver, Don Q, you're in all white and you did pirouette and then you did out into arabesque on plie and you actually finished and i'll put this on the instagram you finished the pirouette with your back foot so your right foot touching the ground like kind of like like licking the floor do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. usually the foot's off the ground at the back you actually put it on the ground and finished i think your arms are both up and it was almost like a toreador finish and i was like oh this guy's innovating like he's so comfortable that he's like how can i push this that was back in 2012. That was actually my premiere of uh, Donkey Shot. Good show. I was I was 20, 21 maybe. I I saw some kids in the park, 
with the board. Skateboard? Yes, with skateboard, just jumping up and down, jumping up and down. And some of them, I saw them breaking into, like with one foot, just shoof. Right. Like, shoof. And I saw it several times, several times. I saw it, she said, and that was interesting for me. I was like, hmm. Then I was like, which turn could get me there? That would be sort of uh, interesting. Then I tried many things. I tried going from Ho a la second into Demi Plie and picking it up. But I was, it was a very long journey and it wasn't so exciting. And then I started breaking from there, like shh, into fifth position and continue with the next one. But yeah, it came from, right. from there. <laughs> That's right, watching that. Nice. Finding inspiration in the natural world just around you, you know? Yeah. That's good. Why not? <laughs> Do you ever think, though, like consciously about like, how can we push the art form forward? What can we do that's yes. new? Yes, 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 definitely. I, you know, I'm a big fan of cinema in general. And I've seen the evolution of cinema from, let's say, the 20s until like nowadays. And it's been doing this like 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 charlie chaplin that yeah. for, for that that was that was the cgi of the time you know what i mean yeah you see what i mean it's like this guy that was like for me that guy was superhero right. so um i you know i see ballet that is so traditional that i don't know why it should be traditional i have no idea have you ever asked yourself why because if we talk about tradition, we talk about our cinema it could be traditional too, but everybody has seen the evolution of it, you know? Yes. And we talk about, just, let's just talk about, about, you go back to the eighties, ballet scenes, you know, the whole set. I find it even more interesting than the ones that are happening now. If you see Varishnikov with Alessandra Ferry, I think it was one of the Giselle movies. And you see how beautiful the set is. Right. And I know this whole thing should be, it was, you know, set for the movie it, it, itself. But why we cannot have that same journey on stage nowadays? There's a, enough technology to put ballet in a way that is not only for the old people, uh, the rich people, the ones that they don't know honestly speaking and humbly speaking and damn about it but for them it's more about taking out her fur coats and pearls right and they are the other side of of the ballet world which are very 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 looking forward for see something new that's why they come to see it because my gsl might be different than yours yeah i think it would be he said that's that's the reason but that's the reason why we're doing what we do you know it's like we looking for like the evolution of the art form so we shouldn't stay just in the same place like Nureyev did it for us with the I don't know with the tools they had in that very time look how much forward he put to ballet work now I imagine that he would have done something completely different absolutely amazing nowadays with the technology that we have so what's happening that Nobody is really, especially directors of big companies, are doing anything about it. Why they are not innovating? Why are we continue to make 
another new production of uh, Cinderella? Why another new production of Swan Lake or Don Quixote? So the big classics that that's why they call big classics or whatever. Yeah, okay, but I think there is a lot of more things out there to talk about. Do you think the difference would be that we would be telling different stories? So as opposed to just doing the classics, tell different stories? Or would it be like reimagining those stories? Or would it simply be technological advances? Like I think of like Christopher Wielden's Alice in Wonderland, which is a really amazing mix of incredible dancing, but also set design projections. And so you feel like you're in it. Yeah, he's, he's pushing it. He's pushing it. Actually, uh, now we're working on his Cinderella okay. here. So we have a premiere next month. And I have seen that he is somebody that is really uh, trying to use the technology, you know, trying to get the audience into a real journey, visual journey, which is very important. You know, Immersive. this is entertainment. Exactly. This is entertainment as well. You know, you need to make the people be in days like when you're watching the TV. Sometimes if I, after five minutes, you don't even realize that you are in the room, you are in there. Yeah. You know, so what happened is uh, I don't have a problem with recreating classics. It's the same as the, as the cinemas we were like speaking before. Like how many Supermans you've seen going through history already? Few. So also Batman's and Spider-Man's and this and that. So it's not about putting that aside and don't touch them anymore. No, but if you're going to do something, you do something better. Not just like I'm going to create another production of Swan Lake or Giselle with a little bullshit I, I have because just don't create it yet. Just wait until you. If you're going to do something, better do it good. You know, right. that's my opinion. I like the idea of doing it in a way that brings in a new audience. You think of your ritual of every Wednesday at 9.15 recording this dance and you think of how much it meant to you, right? And you were a young boy with aspirations, you know, with dreams and excitement. And that was really important to you. I think ballet is awesome, obviously. You know, I think it's pretty cool. But I think that we haven't, I don't think we've tapped into the interests of the youngest among us, like the young generation, as well as we could, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Imagine taking a group of 12-year-olds to see Christopher Wielden's Alice in Wonderland. That's you right. Think, you think they're not going to have the best time? You oh, think, yes, definitely. You think at least two of them aren't going to say, can I be in this? Like, I, can I do this with my life? That looks like an awesome job, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I agree that there is work to be done there, finding a way to innovate. I think you make a really good point too. If in a hundred years of cinema, we can go from Charlie Chaplin to Transformers in 3D, we can probably do more with the ballet stage. I will say our technique has improved a lot. And, mm -hmm. you know, yes, you're talking about even just innovating in that way. But as a, yeah. as a presentation and being more accessible as an art form, I think absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah, there's work to be done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I believe that's one of the reasons why opera is always bigger. The amount of money put into these productions to make it look like you are in the middle of a town is unbelievable. You know, I went to the opera house here because we are together with the opera. So I watched one of the Thurandot uh, shows. I didn't come all the way in, but I was just like between the winds, like, like just trying to see what was going on. I was just mind blown by that set. It was like humongous. I was like, 
I cannot believe that this is the stage mm-hmm. where I just did Spartacus last week. Right. <laughs> I cannot believe that this that uh, we are just like, I don't know. It seems sometimes like somebody just took some toilet paper. So, okay, let's just, <laughs> voila. Yeah. Go ahead. Do yeah. your thing. So it's, it's ridiculous sometimes. I go like, oh, wow. But look at the difference between this and, and that. This is why it costs so much audience. And I believe it still can be bigger. But it's exactly what you said. Like, I believe that technology will make a big impact in the ballet world if that really gets to happen. It will call the people like my cousin and my uncle, that people are just like waiting for CSA to come out. Like, okay, let's see who, who killed somebody today. Like, Right. Those people, they're going to get into a theater for the first time in their life. You get something completely different for them. It's not just like, you know what's funny? It's that much people from Munich, like the people I know, let's say my doctor, my physiotherapist, and people that work with the football team, they came to see ballet for the first time because I was in Spartacus. Right. They heard Spartacus, they associate that with Kirk Douglas and gladiators and men jumping up and down and killing each other on the things. They was, oh, I have to go and see that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then they hear Giselle. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. Swan Lakes. Ah, yeah, sounds long. Sounds, yeah, sounds long. Man, mm-hmm. I was just going to fall asleep on the, on the half. Of, nah, that's not for me. But now, the same thing as advertising in movies. You're using that technology and you make it look like like it really should, you know? Going to see the ballet in the cinema has been amazing. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever done that. Yes, yes. But when, like, I saw Raimonda by, I think it was Bolshoi did Raimonda. Mm-hmm. I guess it was pre-COVID. It was like, and I was sitting, you sit in like, it's like VIP, like it's all, you know, nice, comfortable seats when you go see one of those, right? Sitting in the front, it's like, this is the happiest I could possibly be. The dancers mm-hmm. are amazing. The set mm-hmm. is immaculate. And I'm sitting here mm-hmm. eating popcorn and like chocolate while I'm at the ballet. Like this is innovation. This is taking it forward. Yes. This is the yes. best way to watch That's a ballet. Because also when you watch a ballet in real life, you're probably not that close because there aren't that, you're way, way in the back. Watch it in the cinema. They're doing close-ups for you. So you don't have to get your binoculars out. You can just, yeah, you know, yeah. go somewhere. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. But, you know, it's, it's the same thing we were talking about. Now you go to Broadway, like in New York, for example, that they do this whole theater. The actors are actually being part of the of the big pictures. They go some, from time to time to do their uh, theaters like that yep. to, to feed their craft. You see what I mean? But also in that little theater, you see a lot happening, like, a lot happening. They get together with this like, technological company and this and that, and you see something coming to life that is so humble that makes you just stay there. And I'm not saying that it's not really happening for everybody, because I do appreciate a lot like people like Alexander Ekman. They, they are mm-hmm. like visionaries. Yep. People like Alan Odin from Norway, these people are visionaries. Like, Akron can. Yeah. So you see, he said they're really, 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 really thinking on on how to make a ballet in a way that in 20 years you will still something amazing to watch. You see? 
Yeah, it's true. All of those people yeah. you named are at the forefront. All of those people are pushing the industry. Yes, yes. And there are new people coming up as well that I was just very looking forward to work with them, like Juliano Nunez. And I know when these kids get like a big budget, they will really, really innovate. They will do their thing. And that's going to be amazing. Right. For sure. Um, if I can change uh, topics here a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. So I want to I want to bring people into your experience a little bit, kind of like like let's make it real for people because we can we can listen to you talk and we can watch your videos, but most people will never be as good at anything as you are at dancing, right? Like when you go out there, it's like you see a jaguar before it pounces. It's like yo, something really special is about to happen here. Like like for example, one of the videos I watched of you doing Action last night, where you do many pirouettes and your passe is changing and you open up into a very high arabesque right on the music. I was like, this guy looks like he's playing ballet. It looks like he's playing a video game. You know, where you just like, you don't know the buttons, but you just mash all the buttons and you're like, I did a punch and a kick and I did this crazy combo. I don't even know how I did it. It kind of looks like, oh, this guy is just hitting, like he's playing Tony Hawk. He's just like connecting all of these different tricks in a row, but it's real life. So I'd like to ask specifically, when you know that's the choreography, that's what you're planning to do right before it happens and then right after it happens, what do you feel? Like, what are you thinking? What's going on in your head right as you hear the music and you take your tondu before your prep? And when you nail it right on the music, do you feel like, yeah, I mean, that's the day at the office. It's what I expected. Or are you like so energized when that happens? Honestly, I have to say that most of the things I try to do, I, you know, I do different combinations that have to do with the same thing, you know, the things mm -hmm. that according to the style, or whatever, but basically that only happens when you go to a gala or something like this, because when you are, you know, a whole production with people and you are, let's say within their production, your ballet masters, the people that have been rehearsing with you for two weeks, three weeks, mm -hmm. There are a lot of old people out there that they are not open to that kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid of calling it out because it is what it is, you know? It's like people are used to just, sometimes it's a matter of ego. And going back to your question, because this is something that really hits me sometimes. It's, it's, it, is, it, is, um, it happens a lot, you know? Um, I do variations of the same thing, let's say. And that one um, with the attitude or the period into arabesque sometimes i have the variation that goes into uh an action let's say uh, attitude and then it goes to the period and open into arabesque i have the version that sometimes you have no time to open arabesque because the music may be so a little bit fast and then you have to change and do something else but mostly i have i start with an idea and i see how i feel in the middle of it yeah i just play you just decide as you're going kind of Sort of, exactly. I sort of decide as I go by. It's just, all right, let's let's see what gets out of out of here. But for me, what's important is to have a smooth ending. No matter where you're going with your body, to be able to get out of there in a way that is not broken. So that's a smooth the transition into the next thing. So that's what I always like aim for. And so when something really spectacular happens, a really cool combination, and it's perfectly on the music, when you finish it, is there a feeling of like, 
because I know like when I'm doing a variation and say I have a really, really nice turn or something and you just, you know, you nail that double to a boom into attitude and you're just like perfectly on balance and you hold it on the music. I will often feel confident for the rest. It's like every time I go on stage, I have to prove to myself again that I can do it just because yesterday was a good show. Doesn't mean that today's going to be a good show. So I have to prove mm -hmm. that I've got it today. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so when I nail that thing, that's tricky or um, a bit more complicated, it's almost like a big gust of wind under my wings. And I'm like, Oh, I can fly all the way across the ocean. Like, let's do yeah, it. That's you right. know? That's you kind right. of build off it. Whereas if it doesn't work, yeah. it's a bit like, Oh, okay. No panic, but we got to figure this out because in two seconds, I got to do something similar and I got to fix yes. it. Yes. Do you yes. have a similar experience? Oh yeah. Like hundred, hundred percent. There are days like, or there were days when, where I felt, for example, with very heavy legs. Yeah. And I said, because for example, I had, I had a very hard injury on my, on my chins. Yeah. And you know, for a jumper, it's a killer, yeah, you it's, know, it's, death, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's hard. So imagine trying to not push your jump as high as you can, because you know that you still have a long goal and that's not it. So yeah. I focus on the musicality like a lot. I relate a lot in the musicality. How can I make that super Ah, like the kind of like like thing that moves me around through through the music and gets me that thing in there that I don't necessarily need to do a massive dolly cabriol because that thing right there is that hunger that that you are just like transmitting is is already coming through and you see and you feel it you know and you're just calling people's attention with, with what you're doing. Then I do my combination. So whatever comes to my to my head and I try to finish that thing. But definitely the moment I feel that I have that musicality under control, then I know it's going to be okay. Right. I always try to turn with, with the music. Always. That for me is, is very important. The moment I, I turn off the music, I, I go somewhere. Oh, really? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, good to know. It's interesting. Interesting to know that. Okay. So are you saying that you will actually go out on stage and not know which pirouette combination you're going to do, that you decide like in the actual moment? Yeah, most times, yes. That's interesting. Uh, I imagine for a lot of people, it's, they don't feel that way. Like for me, I, when I go yeah. out there, I know what I'm going to do, but that's very cool. I have many friends that they they go by for example alejandro alejandro virelles alejandro is one of my very good friends and ale is one of those turners that he just goes i think he pumps his like massive long legs like yeah amazing feet and they goes like Woof. whatever happens there just just sit lay back and enjoy because <laughs> you know it's going to be amazing also the same with Jonah, Jonah, Jonah Costa, when he's on, he's game on. Yeah. Like, yes, definitely. Yeah. So those are the people I just sit back in class sometimes. I enjoy just watching them, you know, learning and yeah. You, know, you relate sometimes because I I sometimes I laugh because I do similar things and then I go like, yeah. I, so you know you you know what that person is feeling at the very moment it makes you smile you know? yeah the connection you guys have that like that, that group chat must be a lot of fun i'll say that 
That brings us to the end of part one. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to OCL for being our guest. Make sure to stop by next week to hear part two. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at 22guys. Email us at 22guyspod at gmail.com. Take care and see you next week. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.